podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Rap and Association with Reds, Bet Neil Atkinson, Glenn Price, Steve Graves and Adam Smith are the three people I have with me today to talk about Liverpool's 1-0 victory over Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, we are supported by Redbet, as I said a minute or two ago. Uh, Redbet are uh, a gambling company where they put 50% of profits back into fan-related causes uh, and initiatives. Uh, if you do gamble, consider gambling with them. If not, please be gambleaware.org and in general, just be gambleaware.org. And if it's not for you, that's absolutely fine. Um, I'll start with Steve Graves. Steve, mm-hmm. Liverpool faced Brighton this weekend and it felt like we sort of ever so slightly... Delighted to get out with the win. You'll take any win at any stage of the season, if we're honest about it. Looking back at the game now, it feels like we ever so slightly sort of exceeded to Brighton's version of reality. That Brighton sort of got what they wanted in a strange sense, certainly up to 75. They were still in the game. There was still only one goal in it. And it was became the sort of match where everyone just sort of accepts if Liverpool win, they're going to win 1-0. I think that's true. I think I think there was it was much less of an if Liverpool win than a when Liverpool win. I, I, I didn't feel like Brighton, whether they're able to or, or even wanted to, sort of late siege Liverpool late on in the way that you've sort of seen those games go before. And that, I suppose, is, is the significant difference and maybe the difference in the Liverpool team and in the way teams are going to approach us this season. We talked about it before, teams taking a 1-0 or a 2-0 at Anfield and feeling like, well, it doesn't derail your season, it doesn't ruin your next performance, it doesn't, doesn't sort of Provide give you any hangover, so you'd be you'd be relatively content with that if you're Brighton. And I think you feel like their equaliser could only really have come by some massive slice of fortune or some massive error from Liverpool, which is always possible and can always happen. And you give yourself a puncher's chance, then then maybe that that's you know a perfectly reasonable way for them to approach the game. Um, you wouldn't. It's not a performance you're gonna. You're going to look back on, you know, even two or three games on, and 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 be amazingly enthused about as a Liverpool fan. But it is the kind of performance that, for quite a long time, has has felt quite rare. Maybe slightly unfairly, but I think certainly in in the first couple of seasons on on the clock were were, were quite rare. Um, and you know, you'd, you'd see a lot of two twos or mad games at home where we'd we'd get back into them. Thinking of the Swansea game when, which was just all everything wrong. Um, there was there was an awful lot right here if your intention is to win a game and, and get three points and we sort of need to start treating games. I think something some of this is partly to do with the fixture lists and the way they've fallen and no sort of big game before the break. But these games just aren't they're of a piece and we talked about, you know, we need ten points, we'd be happy with that from these four games. Well we're virtually there with that. Um yeah. really good chance of getting twelve. I don't think the manager. If you look at the way he's 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 you know he's literally played the same team in all of them. He's almost treating them as as one four piece set. I think, or certainly these three. We'll see what happens with Leicester. Uh, I'm intrigued by the manager's sort of post match comments, Adam. And it's you know he's, he has made the three unchanged sort of selections. But the one thing you can say is, and it's a phrase he used a lot last season, used a lot the year before, is you can have a conversation about rhythm. And Liverpool looked a bit out of rhythm, and it strikes me that. It's easy for us, and the manager even mentioned what Guardiola had said. Um, you know, it's easy for us to sort of think, well, yep, they should just hit the ground running. I sort of wonder what they're doing in training at the minute during the week, because it may well be that this is almost like we're trying to do two things simultaneously one, extend pre season on the one hand, and on the other hand, we're trying to say, well, we also need to get the 10 to 12 points that Steve's just mentioned as well. And I just think that they all looked a little. You know, maybe just maybe this Liverpool side could sort of do with a bit of two games a week at the minute because it looked like they'd sort of forgotten bits and pieces of what they wanted to do. 
He said something in the in the post match, didn't he, about um, that these are the most important sessions that he's got at the moment. These games, which is it is in, indicative of it being a continuation of a. a a pre-season of sorts that he, because of the World Cup, he didn't get the full length of time. That he's still working them harder than he than he would maybe in a normal season if he'd have had a, a full pre-season in front of them. He's maybe working them harder in training than he would have otherwise. And I think that's showing in certain players. I think I thought in the in the West Ham match, for example, we were in it four 0 But I thought Firmino looked like he'd done an extra training session compared to everybody else, and it makes complete sense because he was the one that was had the least preseason because of his World Cup exploits, or one of the ones that had the least preseason. But he looked really leggy to me, and I I wonder when I saw the unchanged side again, I did briefly think I wonder whether having somebody else in might just have given the rest of the players something else to think about. So they've been playing with each other now three games in a row, and it it has got that. You know, you would logically you would think that would give them more rhythm, but somehow it seems to not have done. And I wonder whether if he'd thrown something, you know, like a Shakiri in or something like that, or even brought Henderson back in, whether that might have just jazzed things up a bit to give them a little bit more to think about during the game. It strikes me you probably get the most out of the manager post match after a game like this where things haven't been quite right, but we've won. So he's able to he's able to be quite honest and open, Glenn, about what he feels hasn't been quite right because we've won. He's not going to be defensive. He's not going to defend anyone. He can look at the lads and he can say, well, they've all worked hard and we've got the three points. But he was about as emphatically critical of his Liverpool side that maybe certainly I can remember him being uh, after a game. And, 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 and it wasn't dissimilar after Crystal Palace either when he said he expected 70% more out of his fullbacks. But again, we'd won the game. Yeah, he was talking about the change he made after, uh, at half-time and I think it's quite noticeable that from watching the game back that <clears throat> Liverpool sort of had two holding midfielders at times in the first half and um, and for, for the majority of it, they were in absolute control and uh, Brighton didn't get a sniff. But I think what the manager was worried about is that getting that second goal and he perhaps thought that wasn't coming. Um, but Liverpool played really well in the first half. But in the second half, they did lose that control because... He blamed it on you know whether his instructions weren't good enough or clear enough, and might said his English wasn't perhaps uh, to the level that was was needed. But they really did lose a bit of control in that in that second half, and um, he was critical of that. And I, th- I think he was right actually because that second half sort of is exactly what Brighton were waiting for, and Liverpool really did need to um, keep in control. And I think they only sort of regained it until Henderson came on in, in, in the 63rd minute. Um, but yeah, he, he was, um, he was critical after it. And I thought that was the, the main takeaway of the entire press conference. I know people are, you know, lapping up the, um, the, the Allison comments and, and how it's all great and all that. But he, I think he was critical of himself just as much as his players and how he didn't get the message he wanted to across clearly enough. The other thing that, that that is difficult, though, in as I said, as I started off with with Steve in these games, though, is I I was wondering a little bit. It reminded me, and again, it's something deeper into another season. I remember away to nine, and and um, we go and we win at Chelsea, and then the next week, the midweek, we got Portsmouth at home, and everyone gets really edgy as the game wears on. But Liverpool win at one nil, but everyone in the ground's really edgy. Now I don't think the ground was particularly edgy, but I do think that you know if you are those players, you do know that City have dropped points, and while it is only the third game of the season, you can imagine that those players are thinking to themselves, "We can't let them off the hook." For us to have a chance this year, we cannot let them. Let I've said, I said on another show. They've dropped one seventh of the points they dropped last season in total in one in one <laughs> afternoon, and that shows you, you know, that Liverpool and these players are not stupid. They know that, don't they? Before the ball's kicked, and I think they knew that, and from the start, because um, 
within the first 15 minutes, Liverpool could have been like 3 0 up. Um, Mane has that really good chance that he should score. Firmino is denied by a brilliant save from Ryan. And, Which has a good credit to save yeah, that save. Yeah, it's a really good save. And then obviously Trent hits the ball, although Ryan probably should that save that anyway. But we always talk about this Liverpool side, you know, um, they, they play in spurts at times and, and maybe that's you know not going to be the case so often as they get more control of games, which we're seeing under Klopp now. But I've seen you know Liverpool in the past... Liverpool could easily have been 3-0 up inside 15 minutes and then we'd all be talking about what a controlled display it was and how devastating they are on the attack. It was just... And the manager's since spoken. You know, he does a load of interviews after the game and, and one of them, he, he, he was saying, he was just ruining the missed chances in the first half. And I think he's quite right too, to be fair, because had any, you know, another one of those goals goes in, we'd be having a different conversation about just how ruthless this Liverpool side are. It's, it's an interesting point about this sort of being two notes to Liverpool and then there's that the five minute burst that you know sweeps a Hoffenheim away and, and um, that that kind of thing or you know the things that, that we did Man City Roma when you just suddenly it seems unstoppable and inevitable uh, and then those periods which are probably the bulk of many of most games where that's not happening and I suppose you, you can either try and make the, the great spells last longer which I'm sure we'd like to do but also making the, the spells that are inevitable that are a bit quieter making us much better in them and I think in these three games we look much better in them we look much better and more at peace with ourselves I think in, in terms of doing that and maybe that's one thing with the continuity of selection that he's looking to get and get people into that kind of rhythm and, and getting used to that a little bit I think he is he's, 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 he's sort of talking about it the game from, from a position of strength as Neil said and, and that that seems like good management to me you know to be both self-critical and also critical I think he's he's probably most critical of his best players and I think that is the thing that you, the position you'd quite like to be in is to to be able in the tra- on the training ground to be able to say to Salafi and Omani I need more from you because you know it's there I think you've got players like like Joe Gomez who I think will be a fantastic player but is at the minute performing as well as he ever has in his career so I think you, you don't really want to be in a position where you're having to think about telling him that he's, he's somehow let us down and I think that you know his, his performance one of the absolute standouts in, in the game which is it feels like it, it's it's you sort of say no, you know it feels perfect for the manager perfect for the manager will be that we won 6 or 7 nil. but I think you know in terms of the way a 1-0 win could play out I think that there's loads there to take away and go go away on the training ground, and, and you can sort of guard against complacency while having won three games. <laughs> well, you got which nine points. Yeah. Pretty good. You've got nine points on the board, but everyone can have a good long think about things. Yes, yeah. and I completely agree. And as part of that, Adam Steve said before he mentioned the front three, and I do think that you know again you do wonder about where they're up to in terms of fitness, in terms of balance. I think that for me, you know, we can almost have a separate conversation about. I thought Mane was the best of the three of them in the previous two games, but he was comically poor at times. Like, it, I mean, it was a real sort of being able to say bad day at the office performance from him, uh, where it, nothing worked. He had 10 minutes, but I think he kicked it into touch three times. I was yeah. amazed. Uh, and Sp- Salah, again, you know, like against Palace, you get to say he doesn't play well, but Liverpool won, will win 1-0 and Salah scores the goal. Yeah. And after last season... I, we should all be licking our lips a little bit, really, because we've we've scored what they're now seven goals in three games, and the front three have all been pretty poor, apart from Mane for two of them. But then even he's had his, his dreadful game as well. So it's actually quite exciting about what's going to happen when the front three clicks like it did last season, because it will be a when it's it, it is about at the moment sort of coming back. They've all had their own exploits in the summer. They've all had their own World Cup journey, and 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 in and in Salah's place. 
his own journey in general and there's still bits and bobs going off with the Egyptian FA at the moment and things isn't there so there's still stuff going on there that's probably playing on his mind a little bit so they've all they've all got their own things to be thinking about once they're back in the rhythm of the Premier League and once they once they've clicked again and working with the midfield because of course you know it, it is the midfield that fed them a lot of the time whilst they did the magic last season if you like it was it was often the midfield that was that was sort of feeding them the balls so now they've got a new midfielder in Cater who's got his own things you yep. know settling into the country and all that so it's, it, it is exciting and if I was a Premier League defender I'd be watching this and thinking oh, I don't want to play them please because they're going to be really good soon because yeah, they're on a bright weekend <laughs> exactly. yeah exactly so you know even even you know the likes of Leicester the, the, some of the defenders might be going into thinking oh, you know this is good this because none, none of them are playing that well but there'll be some of them thinking oh they're going to click against us aren't they they're going to put five past us or something you know there will be that thought process going on so it, so it is exciting but it, it is just funny that Mane's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant the first two games and then dire in the in the third <laughs> one. And I, I mean I think it's just he knows loads of people, put him in the fantasy football teams so to wind a few people up because he was because it was like as you say, he was just booting it out. It wasn't even some of them I was like, I don't even know what you were thinking you were doing there. Like it wasn't even like he's gone, Oh, I can see there's a pass and there was a player, but they, the players but he just booted it and it's gone out of play. But yeah, he, he had that, he's had that in previous seasons as well. He's had it as early doors, he's had a few games where you think, What's he up to there? He's just kicked it out, or he's he's played a pass where you think he's playing it back to a midfielder or or a defender and there's no midfielder defender there and he just kicks it to the opposition player like he does have that in his locker um, and so yeah it was it was more because we won you can look back retrospectively and say it was more amusing than anything else there's Steve there's something around the worry I'm not worried about Mane at all I still expect him to be genuinely challenging for, for player of the year I'm not worried about Salah in the slightest if I say I'm worried about Firmino it perhaps phrased it the wrong way I just wonder whether or not we're going to have a lot of this season talking about opposition sides making his life practically impossible and making it really hard for Liverpool to get the ball to him even. That's what I was... I mean, we saw that against Palace and I think you see it with Brighton as well. The three centimetres jobs, yeah, they're there to challenge Liverpool's midfielders, but you get the impression at times that they're just to stop passing lanes into Firmino. They're there to make it hard for Liverpool to get him the ball. Yeah, I mean, there's... It's the, the the Brazil thing's well documented and the, there's some of that in there, I think. Um, I thought there was there was times when he was he was certainly brighter than, than West Ham um, and certainly... My, my problem with Palace was I wasn't really sure where he was playing all the time. I think he was he was getting dragged into areas that he didn't really want to be in. And it, he's a striker who actually thrives in lots of areas like that. But I think there were times when it was almost so extreme as he was sort of bobbing around at number six at times. And I think he, he it, it fitted together quite well. I think there was there was times certainly in the first half, not least you know the goal, but the, the, the times when it almost came together when it was almost little one you know between Mane, Firmino, Salah. I think we talked the end of last season about how you get that fourth threat in there. Um, you know, the, the Brighton game last time was, was with Solanke. You could do it the other way around and, and, and try and get someone like Shakiri into, into the team. I think that if you look at, you rely on, if, you, if you're picking up that, that midfield three, you rely on Keita having his best game, I think, for him to really contribute in that final third as often as you'd like, uh, which he did for, for spells against West Ham, for, for a long spell against West Ham. This was a quieter game for him. Don't think that helped Firmino. I think longer term in games like this, it would be nice if you were able to find a way for either storage to solve that, help solve that problem, Shakiri to help solve that problem. Perhaps you might want to look at, say, Vinalden playing further forward to, to try and solve that. But I think right now it's a, it's it's a tough place for him to be in because you're still in that kind of very much a four three three at the minute rather than having a one in there somewhere. Um, and I think a one in there somewhere, whether that is Firmino himself at times will help for me now it's 
I think that like, you can make the arguments with the way Kaita played, which we haven't been able to make so far. But the, I always like John Gibbons' line of "We looked an attack alight," and that's what Steve's saying there as well. That mm. I think that we want Kaita to be able to effectively flit between the two modes. But if he doesn't play particularly well in one of the modes, then it becomes quite difficult for him to flip between the two of them. And then if an, if an opposition side's playing well, which Brighton did, and certainly in terms of stopping Liverpool, Brighton did. Again, this idea of, of flicking a switch is much harder in a football match than you think. You do wonder whether or not we might see something that, you know, as the season wears on at home in some of these games, so that if the opposition are going to come and do what they did to us there, if they're going to come and have that attitude, that we do something that's almost more, almost can be written down as 4-2-4 when you get right down to it. I think the biggest issue with Kaito is that, for me, he looked like he was knackered after like 15 minutes. Um, it was really noticeable how leggy he was, especially um, towards the later stage of the first half, um, which, again, probably comes down to him still obviously adjusting and you know, no changes. And, and there was a shorter time between these games, wasn't there, um, after Monday night. Um, just to, going back on to the, you know, the trying to create things, I thought Salah's performance was absolutely brilliant. It's sort of a, a performance that I hadn't, really seen that much of him in that uh, the determination to try and link up play was so noticeable um, Drock coming I think he almost because of the, the change in the second half where you know Trent effectively becomes a centre midfielder Milner moves out to the right Salah becomes virtually a forward and he is sort of operating that Firmino role in that he's dropping deep so often um, and he absolutely works his nut off, nuts off as well to be fair to him and um, doesn't half track back I think there's one moment in the second half where he dispossesses Basuma on Liverpool's penalty area. So uh, he does a real good shift and he obviously gets headlines for, for his goal. It's a really well-taken finish, but I thought his, um, his performance was something that I hadn't seen from yet. And I know he is really good at linking up with the with the front three and stuff, and we saw that at times, but it uh, didn't come off with Marnie and Firmino, who had off days. But I quite like the way he linked up with the, the midfielders like Milner and, and Keiter and even Henderson when he came on. Um, Really good performance. It was more that you, you, even you, we first saw our very first came through as a 19, 20-year-old and people said the Egyptian Messi type thing and you, you don't see much Messi in him. But then, and this is you know, overstating it to, to, to compare it in, in terms of quality, I think, in, in him doing that. But he, he, there was just a few times when he was coming on and just beating a man inside, not just with his elite pace, but just with a little bit of trickery as well, I think, and, and coming into that number 10 or, or number 9 role at times as well. Um, I think you're right. There's... It, it goes under the radar a little bit, almost because his goal just kind of yeah. you just oh, well, he's just he's the goal scorer now. But I think that if he can add some of that to his game, not least because the pace isn't doesn't last forever. You know, it, we've seen it for, for lots of reasons. At some point, it can go. Um, if you can become even more rounded, then that's amazing. There's something in the a lot of the the huge positives, the performance, the things that you remember are really quite spectacular moments Adam in the game and that's that's such a strange thing from a football match you know you probably have four, four or five really uh, moments that really grab you and that you will remember for a fair, fair bit of time first one was Wijnaldum carrying it on the volley where he just sort of dribbles past four without the ball ever really touching the ground and you're just watching this thinking that's that's astonishing football mm. and it, it was a shame he was fouled at the end of it really because you want to see what happened next? Do you want to see what what the? I think he bought it to be honest. When he, I, that I, that, I, I don't disagree. I think he, he does go down easy, and it, but it, but it, it's still a shame because I think given all of the little you know the juggling, kneeing it up, taking it past about three people, you just wanted him then to put it on the floor and find a brilliant pass and then walk off. Like you just <laughs> just sort of be like, that's me, lad. See you later. Thank you. Um, because it was just just gorgeous and and it, yeah, a shame that we didn't get to see what would happen if the ball had dropped to the floor nicely and he just you know passed a little uh, ball off to somebody. Else lit a cigar and been happy with his day. You know? 
Um, the next one on that grabbed me is all aspects of the goal, to be honest with you, Steve. That's that's what happens when Liverpool absolutely come alive. Milner snaps into that tackle, and it's almost like the ball's in the back of the net from the minute he's won the tackle. Firmino then just does the right thing, like the tackle begs it. And the finish is terrific. I mean, it... it his finishing to me is it's it's a source of wonder to be honest with you. When he in the second half, it was noticeable he was he was he was missing things high and wide, and so many of his best finishes they don't even really invite the keeper to be involved. They don't really invite the brilliant save. They're often along the ground into a place where no one can reach it, and that was a classic of the genre. I I didn't expect him to score. It's it's difficult. Neil, you sat where I sit. The, the angle the angle I've got makes that goal. It, I think it, whether it gives me a good view of it or a bad view of it it, it, it made it look really, really hard to score from where he was, where he was scoring from, the way he was taking it, the, t- the point at which he was taking it. I, I turned away and um, when people stand up in front of me, there's a little bit when you just can't, you can't quite see the post, the, the, the near post at the anti-road end and where the, where, the, uh, where the striker's standing, so you're not quite sure. You sort of, you, you, you lose the ball a little bit. Um, for a minute, I didn't think he'd scored. I, 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 it was one of the one of the goals when you, you sort of it's the crowd that tells you before you, your eyes yeah. do. If that makes any sense, um, I think that the build up to it was it was sort of archetypal. A couple of years ago, Klopp goal, the, the thing that told you what this team was meant to be about was that that hunger to hunt the ball down and then and then be quick in transition and 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 the ball ends up in the back of the net. We probably score fewer of those now because we've, we're just a better team. But I think. Those are those are the goals, and those are goals that will hurt big teams as well at times. If you can catch them, catch them cold like that, I think the manager will quietly be really pleased with with the nature of the goal. Um, just we're obviously Milner's crucial to that goal, but yeah. he's on Basuma before the ball's even passed to Basuma, um, which is obviously really good. But another thing that I liked about it was the way, sort of as Milner's approaching Basuma, the way everyone else sort of swarms around that area. And I, I don't know if you ever seen Liverpool like. Liverpool a training session in Liverpool sometimes they do them on Facebook Live or whatever but they do this drill where whenever the the attacking players win the ball and they're clean through and they've got like eight seconds to score and no defenders are allowed to challenge him Um, and I sort of think that's why the ball ends up in the net so quickly because Milner gets it it goes to um, it goes to Firmino and then Mane and then it goes it's Salah and it's in the back of the net within seconds and that's what it is it's a matter of practice that once they get the ball in these situations, they know exactly what to do. And I think that's just a perfect sort of typical uh, Jurgen Klopp Liverpool goal, I think. Uh, next one, uh, which grabbed everybody, is the goalkeeper. Um, Steve, the goalkeeper, it's just... It was an unbelievable... Just to have seen him done it, to have done it in his, in his second home game, the way in which he does. And, you know, he, he nearly gets punished for messing about later on, though I do think it is a foul and it's it's classic refereeing of, well, you just did think they'll have before, so I'm not going to stand for that. It's almost like it's cheating. But it was it was just a sight to behold, really, and I loved the response it got from the crowd, which I, which can be referred to as mixed in the best <laughs> possible way. <laughs> it was. I was. It's a shame because I thought it might be the moment that would sort of set the tone and, and get Liverpool right back on the front foot and, and score two or three goals and you could go. Have you ever seen that from a goalkeeper, you know, sort of catalyzing a team like that? Didn't really work out that way. But I think what it did do was was calm everyone down. The reaction for the the, the later one was 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 even more mixed, I would say. But I think it was much more muted than it would have been had he not just done the thing before. 
Um, there's an awful lot of people who um, who go the game who don't really read up much, and 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 I, I'm I'm in awe of them. I think they're great um, because I think that this, this is literally the right way. Um, there was a fellow near me who didn't know who Naby Keita was against West Ham and was 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 genuinely asking, "Who's this? Who's this new new lad? Looks good, doesn't he?" And I I was, I was really pleased with that, and I think there's a lot of people, you know. Whereas we've like read, "This is what Alison does." Watched loads of YouTube. Yeah, we yeah. watched him do it a million times. He needs to demonstrate it, what he is and who he is. And we all know at, at one point he will it will result in him getting caught out. But you can see that he's, he's got the confidence and it's actually the best thing to do in that situation. Like, rather than, than kicking the ball straight out or, or panicking or, or trying to push it to one side and go around him that way, it, it's literally the right thing to do football-wise as well. I think it works. And it, it just, well, it, it, it gave... Brightened the day up for a lot of us, I think. Um, I think it, it, it set the tone for who he is, and a lot, you know, a lot, almost all of the, the time, he clears the ball fairly routinely, like like a goalkeeper does and should. And I think that that's the thing to remember. He's not, he's not, he's not a clown. He's not, you know, some performing seal. It's just something that he sometimes will do. My, my favorite part of it was the so the chip is obviously really good, but then as Knockart turns around and everyone's worried that he's going to catch him from behind, but he just delicately knocks it off to Van Dijk as if he knew he, everyone's panicking that he's going to get caught from behind but he knows exactly where Knockout is and just calmly uh, knocks it to Van Dijk who didn't even want the ball he wanted it to be played <laughs> yeah Van Dijk was not that kid but yeah his distribution was really good I, I know he nearly got caught a few times but there was a, a lovely outside of the boot ball uh, in the first half and then I think like a minute later he absolutely pings one to, to Alexander-Arnold and just helps, doesn't it? Helps get Liverpool on the front foot. That's that, that's what so much of it is, Adam. And you know that one with Alexander Arnold. I think in the end, Alexander Arnold, yeah, he gets sort of a combination of tackled and miscontrols it. But the way in which it then he gets tackled slash it miscontrols is it suddenly it, it goes another twenty yards forward, and suddenly we're we're 70, 80 yards up the pitch, and we're we're scrapping for possession on the edge of their final third. And then if you do win it there, as we saw with the goal, I I can't believe the extent to which the difference he can make in terms of making Liverpool look look like a more attacking proposition. The fact that he can play a ball into a stride of a full-back full 60 yards away is just unbelievable. Yeah, and you can see why Klopp did the what we can now call, I suppose, failed experiment with Carrius because he was meant to be the ball-playing goalkeeper. So you can And you can see why Pep wanted it as well. You can see why these managers are keen on these players, these, these goalkeepers who can play football. I, and it's a bit of a Yadar comment, but my my fear is that opposition teams will be targeting him now. Like if I was Cloudwell going into the weekend, I'd be I saying wants, to Gray. But I think that's what Klopp wants. Yeah, that's probably true. But I I wonder whether... It, the problem is, in order to have this brilliant distribution and, and get on the front foot and all that stuff, you need he's going to be in situations where every now and again he might get caught out. Yeah. Now... That, so that's so it is one of them, isn't it? You've got to weigh up which one you think matters more. The problem is, we could have dropped points yesterday if he get if he gets caught out in one of three positions he puts himself in that that aren't totally necessary. Then we we maybe drop points in that game and everyone's going, oh, we had a chance to catch it and then we dropped it and it was a little bit unnecessary. So, but you don't necessarily want to stamp that out of his game because it's what makes it thrilling when he gets the ball to Trent as you say and then we're on the front foot so it, it is it's for, from the manager's point of view a little bit of a catch 22 but, Adam, if you, but if you are Leicester now Adam you're Puel and you're looking at that and what it might actually pull 
two, three of your players 20, 30 yards higher at the pitch than you otherwise might, might have done in order to try and catch him out, at which point there's more space for Liverpool to play in. And that, I think that's what the, I think with, with Guardiola as well, with what City do, I think there is the idea of, with Valdez, when back going back when Valdez was doing it at Barcelona, I think there's the idea of, go on, try and catch us out. Because mm. we're in the act of you trying to catch us out, we think we create space to be able to do something else, but I just—it is a high wire act. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that, and, but that's just it, isn't it? It's it, and that's why I think you know that. I mean, look, it's why he's sort of single-handedly making his way through the season ticket waiting list because he's clearing a load of people out. But it, it but it is the it, it, it is the benefit that you get from it. It's the risk you take with it. But if I was Puel, maybe I'd be saying to, to like Gray, get on him. As soon as he's got the, you just peg it at him. You just absolutely launch yourself at him. We, and that wouldn't. Some managers will commit two or three further forwards. One might say, "Just put your fast lad and go at him." There's, I think, on this, Steve. What we, well, I think, we will need to be careful for is the the double edged goalkeeper sword with the referees. Because, as I say, I think second half, the second time he does it, I think he is just quite clearly fouled. I don't think there's much of that. I'm surprised there would be much of a debate on it. But in exactly the same way that when their lad and Firmino clash, their goalkeeper and Firmino clash second half, you know, like the rules of yeah, football. Yeah, you, the rules of football are the goalkeeper gets that decision and he shouldn't get that decision. But it's almost yeah, like, yeah. this is just what we do. And But my worry is the flip side is that when it doesn't quite go right for him, there'll be loads of referees desperate to give the benefit of the doubt to someone else because you don't do that sort of thing, mate. Mm. I think that there's, yeah, there's certainly some referees will take against it a little bit a little bit sort of Suarez type you know I'm I'm keen to show that I'm that I I am aligned with a certain worldview of football I think there's there's, there's something in that in in referees Um, I think his his overall it's his confidence and I think it's the fact that he can come away and go well if we fail to beat Brighton because it won't be because I made a mistake in my in my goalkeeping it'll be Let's look at the forwards. Why we didn't score two, three goals against them? I think the manager will, will be will be happy with 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 that state of affairs. I think he's been fortunate in terms of the chances, and this is down to the defence and him and the midfield and, and everyone with limited size to such poor chances. Uh, I think there were some stats going round about you know some of the, the expected goal type stuff is just like off the scale in terms of the quality of chances we've we've given up so far have been really, really, really low and. He's had a few routine-ish saves that he's made well uh, that have been been perfect for him. Really, we've yet to see him making a sort of incredible save, but he'll feel really confident. He's got three clean sheets. He's just got that authority in in, in and around his penalty area that Carrius just just didn't have. And I think if you're going to be that type of goalkeeper, a, a ball playing goalkeeper who takes your chances, you need to have whether it's natural, whether it's coached, an air of authority. It may be something that Carrius can develop. Um, something about Alisson's size, I think, helps as well. It just gives him that air of, of and, and and the price tag, I guess. You know, just literally the air of, I'm here to do this and I'm going to do this. A little bit like Van Dijk. We've seen Van Dijk make mistakes. We've seen Van Dijk get caught out and he, he doesn't care. He'll just carry on and he shouldn't care. I think what also drew really big cheers around Anfield was that I don't think he, when he came for the ball off a corner or a cross or whatever, he didn't lose it or well, he didn't, not catch it or do a bad punch once he got everything and it's must from where I was sitting it seemed every time this big yellow jersey came running out to come and get something he would end up getting it and that must be so reassuring for for your players that you know oh I can see this big yellow thing come and get it now and he's, the yellow's good it is good, it yeah. really really uh, <laughs> um yeah so that was probably I mean it was, it was a good performance on the whole but I thought that was the one of the standouts but just commanding his area so well um, Alexander Arnold's ball on the volley 
uh, in the second half. The 70-yard pass was just, Glenn, it was it was sumptuous, really. And Henderson just played a really good ball back into the same space and it had come back out. And Henderson's ball was the right decision, but it was done with nowhere near the same, just the the, 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 the same technical loveliness that that sort of, it, it, you almost heard it like it made the most beautiful sound you've heard in your whole life. It was one of those balls where it, it, it's amazing because only he he's the only person in the stadium that's seen Salah open and thought, you know, I can get this ball to him. Um, I, and the vision to do that, but but the technique to pull it off as well in the way that he just like cuts under, under it and, and slices it to him and it like perfectly ends up on the foot of Salah. Um, yeah, it's just scary that he's 19 and can do that. Um, and have the confidence to do that as well because he could have easily give the ball away there and um, Liverpool were still on the attack so the potential for a, for a counter for Brighton to do that but absolutely uh, textbook uh, execution Yeah it's, it's and I suppose again it's he's not had his greatest three games but you can just still see the quality there and think that's Liverpool Liverpool as a whole you know Kaita's turn against Palace and, and the ball over the top is like that's the thing that you take away and go this is what this team can do whether the, the the entire the performances are entirely there just yet, not quite, but Liverpool in moments are looking an, an absolute level up from where they were last season, an absolute level up from where Manchester City were last season in terms of individual quality. And we know that the collective is there. We know that that will come together. I think that, that looking at being able to say all of that and to say that we've won three games and not conceded a goal is is a, a great position to be in. Yeah, I... I um... Can't disagree with any of that. Glenn, when he started talking, looked off into the distance with a dewy-eyed wonderment when he first <laughs> mentioned the Trent pass, and it, it is that uh, that kind of gorgeous thing, isn't it? Where it just it, and, and the, the key thing exactly as Glenn said, it, it you know he's nineteen and he's doing things like that. That is so thrilling. That is so exciting. And and obviously the manager, you know, as Glenn was saying about having the confidence to do it, the manager deserves a huge amount of credit for for breeding that into him, you know, and giving that trust. You know, I, I'm not going to mention any other specific managers, but not all managers in the Premier League will do that with young players. They won't give them the time of day. You know, it, it, under another manager, we might not have seen Trent up to now in anything other than League and FA Cup games, uh, sorry, League Cup and FA Cup games. But instead, we've got one of the top right backs in the country and he's only 19 and God knows where he's going to go from here. Um, talking about another young player, I want to talk about Gomez, Glenn. He- he had more Glenn Murray than he got Benteke. Um, Murray's form at the minute is is what he did to, to Bailly and Lindelof. I'd say it was a good performance from both uh, Murray and Gomez, uh, to be honest with you. I think in general we'll come on and give Brighton some credit in a minute. But, you know, I thought that Murray really, you know, he, he you could see how he is a handful. The manager actually again referred to it afterwards saying it was proper centre-halfing was almost what he was saying. Yeah, um, and when Klopp was asked about this at his, his press conference, there was just a big smile before the answer because it was... Um, he knew that that was like a two big tests that have been ticked off for, for Gomez now, um, and that we're going to use the word with this centre half partnership. The word that comes up a lot is calmness, and I think that's exactly what you get with them. Um, there's, been, there's been two moments where I've really enjoyed, and, and they're nothing to do with his play. But I think in the Palace game, um, he has a bit of a mix up with Allison, um, and the ball goes out for a corner because Allison retreats, and instead of bollocking, you know, the goalkeeper or you know getting flustered. Um, He's just fine and just gets gets into a defensive position and and goes there for the corner. And then in this game, there's a moment where Glenn Murray's literally got his arm on on him um, and literally like greeting him, you know, like you do with a mate and put your arm around his shoulder. Um, It's a definite foul. I didn't even think it gets given, but there's absolutely no reaction from Gomez whatsoever, who's just totally locked in on winning this duel, um, which he did throughout the game, I felt. Um, 
really impressive. And again, we're going to come to age, but to do that at 21 in in the Premier League against when you when you're being targeted, um, it's not easy. And and again, Trent's another example. He he's been targeted in the past and. They seem like characters that just seem to enjoy the fact that, oh, you think I can be targeted upon and, and you can get at me? Well, look at this. And I think he's doing that really well. There's something about focus, Steve, that it, I think that's what Glenn's referring to there as well, where Murray's, Murray's climbing on him. You know, we remember the player who came through playing left back when he first when he first arrived. And there was something incredibly focused about him, like, I am going to play the best possible game I can. Nothing is going to stop me here. And that appears to have almost gone up another notch now that he's at centre-half this time round. And it's interesting at the start of the season as though he's thought to himself, this is the chance. I might not get this chance again at a club the size of Liverpool to play centre-back, to start centre-back, get the shirt and keep it. Yeah, and, and it is his shirt. You've got, you've got the thing of Lovren coming back, which he could either be a real, you know, be, be sort of... A, on his back and make him feel like, well, what am I going to do? You know, this guy's going to come back in from having got to a World Cup semi-final and, well, final, um, and, well, both of them, and uh, and and come and, you know, and, and, and take the shirt back. And I think that he has reacted in exactly the right way, which is to say, this is mine now. And I think that's literally, you've seen it with Alexander-Arnold, um, as Adam said. We would have, I think we probably, under a lot of managers, would have seen him play that season a lot. Under a lot of managers, we would have seen there would have been a huge temptation for clients to come back in um, because you just you look safety first. Some of that's down to the manager, some of that's down to the environment around the club and the fact that Klopp knows he's he's completely comfortable in his role. He's not after six games going to be having people going. Oh, is, he, is you know is is he under threat kind of thing? I think he, the, the club, everyone around the club at the minute is is creating an atmosphere that really is helpful to these footballers. Um, Van Dijk has been brilliant, I think, alongside Gomez. Against West Ham, it felt like times he was talking him through it, less so, again, I think, in the last two games. It feels like Gomez himself has been just, just performing as Gomez knows he can. I think that's great. I, I really like the thing of a right-sided player having to play left-back. I feel like, I thought when Glenn Johnson did it, he, he focused... Um, and I think it is something that maybe that that carries through a little bit. Now he's moving into a different position again to reapply that. Like you know, this is a position he's played through age group football, but it's not a position he's played you know, massively as a professional. Um, now he's he's getting a chance to do it, and he looks absolutely born to it. He does look born to it, and I think that it's it's going to be tough for Lovren to, to to get the regular shirt back. You certainly feel Adam as though there's a gulf now between between Matip and Gomez, which you know I suspect if you'd have asked the manager to write his team down, uh, given the day after the World Cup final, say, for the first game of the season, I think he would have had Matip in there. Uh, right now, it's it, it looks really, really difficult to see to see a way back for him on a regular basis. Yes, there'll be a lot of games, but, you know, it's it shows the, 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 the level of the performances that Gomez has put in against, I would say, three, if not three very good sides, three arguably quite different, but very good at what they do centre-forwards in Arnautovic, Benteke and now Murray. Yeah, it's it, it's challenges, isn't it? It's about the challenges that he's faced, and it and it is three different takes on a on a three different takes on a similar challenge. Yeah. I would say of sort of the big fella, variations you know, on a specific theme. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's not you know the it, mad big fella, the big big fella, and the old big fella. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not like it would have been interesting. We, we didn't see. Didn't have to see much of him against Chikorito, for example, with uh, the, in the West Ham game, which would have been a different challenge again because he's fast and pacey and sneaky and all of those sorts of things, getting in behind you and all those things. So it'll be interesting to see how he coach with that. But it's fascinating to see when, because obviously when he first came through and he was getting games at left back and right back, everyone was saying he's, you know, always oh, a centre back, he's earmarked for centre back. And then you'd see him 
like switch off when a, a simple ball was coming in and it'd go over it, it'd go, he'd be caught under it when he, he really shouldn't have been and things. And you'd sort of think, how's he going to cope with that centre back then when those sorts of things are coming in on a regular basis? And but 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 fair enough that he's absolutely dealt with with everything that's been thrown at him so far this season and come out of it with everybody talking about him in the best possible way. And whatever you might want to say about Matip, and there are people that that do like him. He didn't come out of every game that he played with people talking about him for the right reasons necessarily. There were often times when there'd be conversations about him looking a bit gangly or looking a bit dodgy or not being as good on the ball as we thought he would be. Or There was always question marks, I would say, from the majority of people around Matic, whether not at the moment about Gomez at centre-back. And for Lovren, it's the same sort of thing. There's enough, there, there is enough of a body of evidence of him making mistakes or silly decisions or having daft moments for for plenty of people to not be overly desperate for him to come back into the team if Gomez continues to play the way he is um but that to be honest that's about as good as we could possibly ask for because I I for one I was one of those people banging the drum of us needing to buy a center half in the summer because I'm concerned about the the, the overall reliability of all of the center halves that we have available to us in terms of they often miss game one or two games because of an illness or a virus or a tweak or whatever so having having Gomez stepping up to the plate and saying this is my this is my position until I do something wrong I'm not leaving the centre-back position is great because that then just means that we've got the actual genuine talent in the team to mean that we can take a bit of a breather and not rush someone back in like Lovren when he gets over whatever injury this is. We don't have to rush him back in now, which we may have had to do in the past and he's suffered because of it. So it's a it's a positive place to be, I think. Steve, there's Brighton deserve credit in that they play the game well. It's a Brighton side that's not dissimilar in any way, really, from the one that conceded nine goals to Liverpool last season across two games. And I think that that, if anything, that almost helps Chris Hooten in that he's able to say, lads, you conceded nine to these last season. Let's let's really knuckle down. Let's really focus. But let's also maybe be even a bit more defensive than we would normally be. It was a different Brighton side, given the fact that they didn't play the most creative player in Pascal Gross. They played him against Man United. They don't play him against Liverpool, which I think tells a certain story. And I don't think it is as straightforward as home and away. There's, I think through the season, I think that our tone's been set now with the coverage of the way Newcastle approached matters against Chelsea at home. But I do think that for a few of these sides, there is such a thing here as we just don't want to get battered. Mm-hmm. That getting battered is, it's not just the idea of what it does to the goal difference, but that could be a factor for all these sides. But there's also what it does to the to the morale of the group, to the idea that, yeah, you've got to be able to pick these lads up in two days' time. You've got to be able to say to them, you can go and play the next game. I think everybody is looking at the league at the minute and if they've got any sense, they'll be thinking Huddersfield and Cardiff do not look like they belong in this company. And I think that more than, more so than perhaps you've seen for a long time, this could be about one other team going down. And I could be completely wrong by Cardiff going on a, on a really good run and, you know, certainly or Huddersfield manager or Huddersfield. I think Huddersfield, it looks increasingly hard for them to see just where the goals come from. And, and this is no reflection on them. It, it, they've massively overachieved. And sometimes if you massively overachieve, then unless you can you can really kick on and really spend massively, which probably would be the wrong approach for them anyway. This might just be a thing that might have to happen. But I think if you're Brighton, you're looking at that and you're going, well, we don't we we don't want to become a side that, that maybe loses eight of our first ten. Um and I think that going to going to Liverpool, there's no there's nothing to be gained by by a sort of buccaneering approach that they 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 can come to come to Anfield and 
might get something, but if they don't, they won't get get an absolute hiding. And I think that's perfectly perfectly reasonable. Um, if you were setting a course to try and finish somewhere in, in the sort of mid table or even even upper mid table, they could have those aspirations. Um, I don't think they played sort of completely negative football. I think there was just there weren't really many many options for them that Liverpool allowed them. Um, I think it's a good point about the nine goals last season and really really thought about it the extent to which last season you know, Liverpool and in both of those games Liverpool had that fourth threat which was Solanke in the, the second game and Coutinho in the first um, and it was probably Coutinho's one of his best games for Liverpool it was, it was ridiculous the extent to which he, he just ran that um, particularly um, in the second half away from home I mean it's easy to remember the, 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 the away game when he plays the, the mad back three with, with Chan and Wijnaldum in it um, you know it's, it's, it was a very different game to that I think and it wasn't it's interesting, I suppose, that previously both times Klopp saw Brighton as a, as a team to change his, change his setup for, look and try and do something different against. Whereas this time he was, I think, happy to, to kind of go again with the same thing, um, which maybe meant that Brighton didn't get, didn't get beaten as, many, as, as heavily as Brighton might have got, but perhaps that he's got his, his system and his setup. And it was about where the game came in the season more than about the opposition. It's going to be a season where we're going to get a lot of this both home and away, Glenn. I think you know. I think that Newcastle have, have laid a certain mark there against Chelsea. I wouldn't be expecting them to do much different than when we go there. I don't think they're going to be alone in this. I think there's there is such a thing as the second goal in these games. You know, I think it's it's. I think there's about four or five Liverpool players for whom the game becomes a lot easier. A game like that becomes a lot easier when you're two 0 up. I think whoever plays, I think certainly possibly two of the midfield three can suddenly play with a lot more freedom when you when you when you go two ahead. I think that you know it helps the fullbacks make some decisions for themselves in terms of where they want to be because you obviously don't want to to allow the, the door to be open and even with as much as Liverpool do swashbuckle, there's a responsibility on these footballers. They know what the overall task is. So I think that you know this season we might be spending a lot of time either talking about frustrating. One nils where we don't quite feel as though we properly got going, or talking about the importance of that second goal at the time that it came, and and I think that you know you can't begrudge. I think it'd be wrong to begrudge Brighton their approach, Newcastle's their approach against Chelsea. A list of these sides are going to approach these games a certain way, and, and we're just going to have to accept it. Yeah, um, and I know it's a massive cliche, but goals really do change games, especially like second ones, and when you when you get a, a decent margin. Um, to be honest, in the first two Liverpool games, that's one of the things that's impressed me is the the sheer hunger and, and desire to not rest on their laurels. If you look at the West Ham game, they score right before half-time. Um, in that West Ham game again, Sturridge scores like right near the end. Um, Crystal Palace, they score right before half-time. These are really crucial goals and obviously score, score the late ones. And um, it's that just... How many times have we watched Liverpool in the past and, and Rude not getting that second goal? And... It was very, the Brighton game was very nearly a case uh, case in point because Knockout has that really good chance um, just after half time where he probably should score and yeah. that's the only real real chance that the Brighton get um, and, and we'll be talking about oh typical Liverpool not getting that that second goal but I think they're proving it now that they are really hungry to it's obviously the main objective to win the league and all that but they're really hungry to to make games a lot easier for themselves and. And when I first started covering Liverpool, and my first full season was the 16-17, and it felt like every game, and I know there were some thrashings in that, but it felt like every game was like a hard slog, and Liverpool were, were you know, giving everything to try and try and get a result now. And I think as evolution's gone on, I think they're they're trying to make games easier for themselves, and they certainly did that uh, West Ham and then Crystal Palace to a certain extent. Easy to do that individually if you've got a settled, not a settled team, but a settled squad and. 
nobody who feels like they're playing for their playing for their place in quite the same way and, and like having to having to put everything in, you know, to, to sort of massively impress the manager. Um, you know, even players like Van Alden, who I think some of us thought might play fewer games, well he's he's shown his faith in him now so that Van Alden doesn't have to do Van Alden probably can after the international break where the manager to decide that he's going to do it, except a four game spell out of the team because you can see that there's the pack back in. Um, it does feel like Liverpool you can only play through the gears if everybody in there is sort of content with their position in the side and in the squad and it feels like a generally pretty happy content camp at the minute. It seems like to me like the sort of thing that you know I've often been a little bit jealous of of what happens in, in Spanish football for Real Madrid and Barcelona that they do appear to get from the outside looking in easier games and what I mean by that isn't a conversation about standards but a conversation around there's a lot of games where there's you get the impression everyone's settled for the outcome on 60. And I think that we, this one against Brighton was a good example of one where that wasn't the case. The one against Palace was a good example of one that well wasn't the case. But if Liverpool had made it 2-0 on the hour against Brighton, you get the impression there would have been a fair bit of we're all shaking hands and going home now, lads, knocking on around the whole ground. And, you know, that we can we can lament the idea that we're going to come up against a lot of park buses, but the other side of that is what that means is there's not going to be many buses trying to drive through the middle of us. That you, you, you can... You, you, if you can solve the problem of how you get the second goal, you can solve the problem of how, for instance, you're able to take it relatively easy in that midweek fixture, sorry, in that weekend fixture between two midweek games. Yeah, and I, I think teams with us and City, the teams will know that a hiding is more than possible if they don't if they don't really work very, very hard. The interesting thing is going to be how many managers are able to get their players working really, really hard for a loss like that's a really difficult sell like we're going to lose this but you need to work your socks off to lose by less goals than other teams might lose it by you know so that that'll be interesting to see how many teams have got it. and how many teams have got the ability to do it because not not every team will have the ability to put the shift not in. not everyone's got Damien Proper and Dale no, Stevens sentiments exactly yeah so you know they're, they're just not a lot of teams won't have that ability to to really really work hard to keep us keep us down um but it's obviously a lot more exciting than a couple of seasons ago where you felt like teams turned up at Anfield knowing they would be able to get something out of it because they could could just wait for a mistake at the back or they could wait for the goalkeeper to do something mad or they could wait for whatever. That, that, the, the, the more, the more results we get where it's three, four, whatever, nil, the more that teams will turn up and just be like, let's, let's just get, let's just get out of here as quickly as we can without getting too battered. And, and as you say, that's where the second goal will come in handy. Um, and I thought that the, I, I didn't, I couldn't get to the game for personal reasons. And I was watching it on Sky on um, BT and they made the point that, that it's when Liverpool go two nil up that, that's when teams start then start to concede three or four because they're not in the game anymore and they know they're not going to get back. They're not going to score two against us. They're probably not going to score one against us. So that's when it goes to three or four. And it, it does make that that two really, really important um, in order to get that comfort of being like, right, we're 2-0 up. There's half an hour to go. They're, they've settled on it. We'll just play nice football. Maybe we get three, maybe we get four if we if we do something like Sturridge's goal after 30 seconds on the pitch or whatever it is but not you know but but everybody's quite happy to sort of go that, that'll do you've got the second fine don't kill us please um, in the context of all this United Spurs play tonight Steve um, City 
drop points. Uh, Chelsea, Arsenal both got wins. Uh, Arsenal from a losing position, it's worth pointing that out. I'd say City and uh, but City dropped points, and I think that that was the the boost of the weekend. Really, you, you and I actually watched it together, and it was well, we watched the last half an hour together, and it was very. It, was, it would be fair to describe us as involved uh, in it. Um, it was. It was intriguing the way Wolves did do well against them in that they they had the nous even at 1-0, even at 1-1, to still carry a threat. That you still got the impression they just carried a threat. And I don't know if that kept City honest. I mean, they did hit the woodwork three times. They played some good stuff through the game. You said to me, you know, City will deserve to win 36 of the 38 games they play this season in all likelihood on balance of play. So, you know, you need to be a bit lucky. But what I thought Wolves did well was they gave themselves the ability to be a bit lucky. And that's maybe what we need some teams to do against City. Yeah, to take that, I mean, you know... You... <laughs> In something as simple as the, the substitution to bring on Traore at the point that he does, um, you know, Traore by no means a consistent footballer, but someone with pace and quality that can that can hurt teams. Someone who has previously been considered by teams of the likes, you know, of the, the sort of the standard of Man City. You know, he, he was considered at one point that he could reach that level, and maybe still will. And I thought he did really well when he came on. Actually, um, they looked. Similarly rusty to us, I suppose. You saw Sane's performance, which was one of the worst I've seen for a long it's time. Up there with nothing, just nothing went right for him. Yep. Um, Aguero looked excellent, but elsewhere you felt like they missed um, they missed De Bruyne. Silver at times, I think. I'm, I'm I'm wondering and hoping he might become a little bit of a problem for them if at some point he has to go. At some point, his his quality has to dip a little bit and um, it sometimes takes you a while to work that out while someone's still playing in your team all the time. Um, they they look similar to us, I think, um, in that they're, they're still capable of looking really, really good at the minute. Um, they are a little bit rusty. We're a little bit rusty. They've dropped some points and we haven't and that's a great position to be in. Wolves, it was their best performance. I've, I've seen... Most I've seen all of the first game they played, and most of the second one. I've seen a curious amount of wolves. It happens sometimes yeah, that way, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> um, they 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 played really well in little pockets. They 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 were happy to get the ball forward quite quickly, and then and then try and work things from there rather than inviting City onto them by by playing around too, a little you know, too much at the back. You saw the, the experience of Matinho kicking in, um, him and Neves forming an, an interesting partnership in midfield, and I think. They've got a, a fair bit to look forward to. The, the hope for us is that they can start taking points off more regularly off sides, um, who we need them to take points off. And the more sides that can do that, the better. And they might be freed up a little bit by the fact that if it does look like there's two sides that get cut adrift fairly quickly, that that might start happening a little bit more as well, while they're still quite scared of coming to, to Liverpool and probably Man City. And that would be ideal for me. It, Glenn, you... you, you we can see what we need and we're going to keep talking about it whilst we're in the, in the ability to talk about it. It is worth pointing out to anyone who's listening, Manchester City's first difficult game of the, of the season, um, on paper at least, uh, it, after the Arsenal one, is when they next come to Anfield on October the 6th. And it is worth pointing out, I'd say, that you know between now and then we've got to go to Leicester, we've got to go to Tottenham and we've got to go to Chelsea. We've got those three away games to come in this little run here. And I think what's massive is we want we need to turn we need that game on October the sixth for us to be as close, I mean ideally ahead of, but as close as Manchester City to what Manchester City is possible. We need it to be a proper six pointer, but where even if we lose the six pointer, it doesn't feel like a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Um and I'm sure, you know I, I to be honest, I that Wolves game I watched it, I thought Wolves defended for their lives really well. There was some last ditch tackling and Man City were one of the a really really bad day for them, even though they had a few chances to win it as well. Um, but but that game, um, Liverpool City, um, I think one of the best things that came out of the all or nothing documentary was that sort of 
one there's the bit they left in about them not meeting the valuation for Van Dyke, which I thought was a bit weird because there was no mention of Mares in that transfer during while they were talking about that. And then the other bit is when Guardiola's <laughs> scratching his head at how to deal with Mane and, and Firmino and Salah and all that. And um, just those little that doubt in the back of your mind, even for Pep Guardiola, may 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 maybe may a bit of a benefit to Liverpool uh, going for, going for that game. But um, it's it's the benefit of Liverpool winning these first three games and 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 possibly potentially getting 12 out of 12 points is that it's not a disaster i know points you know dropping points shouldn't be should be a, a rare occurrence but it's not a disaster if liverpool draw at tottenham whereas they got beat 4-1 last time and and chelsea they got beat there uh, at stamford bridge so that's the benefit liverpool have won the games they're meant to win so Anything else is really a bonus, isn't it, uh, considering the form for, of last season? Excellent stuff. All right, it's been a pleasure. The Anfield Wrap this week in association with Reds Bet. Uh, thank you very much to Steve, to Glenn and to Adam. Uh, any other business? Anyone want to praise anyone? Anyone's man of the match? Do you know, I was saying to Glenn before, something really interesting about when you don't go the game is you don't get to see the off-the-ball work. So I... I was looking through Twitter and people raving about James Milner and having watched it on telly, the tackle for the goal was pretty much the only one that he did successfully. He could have got two or three yellow cards that game because he was just booting lads left, right and centre in that James Milner way that he does things. And I was saying, I thought he had a poor game and I had loads of people come back to me and say, no, he didn't. He was brilliant. You know, his off the ball work was amazing. His running was amazing. His passing, all of those things. And it just, it it isn't any other business point rather than a match specific point is it it just made me realise how absolutely mad it is when people get so entrenched in their positions on opinions on players that you can have two people watch exactly the same game and come away with a completely different opinion about it. Maybe means that we're not all absolutely right in the way we hate certain players. <laughs> we're not all on top of necess- some necessary details. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got, just got ref watch for me. Um, I thought that tackle on Milner in the second half was a was a bad one. Yeah, uh, it was which, a red, I think. Yeah, um, and I realised that Lee Probert is still around on the Premier League circuit this weekend. He refed uh, Bournemouth Everton. What I've discovered is that Manchester's second biggest export industry after the chop is refereeing. <laughs> Uh, that they appear to I think it, all Mancunian schools you get your A-levels and you, you get your referees qualification now something's gone on I don't know what it is uh, but they've worked hard on it Steve any other business? Um, I mean we talked about Van Alden enough I thought he was I thought he was really really good I think we, we talked about quality sometimes not just displacing players but also perhaps making them better um, you know, just in and around the place having other good players around I think that's, that's really lifted his performance um, Milner too I, I I thought was good generally and that would be in a sort of standout performance um, and Van Dijk I think it, it's underestimated the extent to which not having to worry about it is great <laughs> just just a player in a position you just do not have to worry about is, is brilliant excellent stuff thank you very much to Glenn to Steve and to Adam it's been the Anfield Rap in association with Reds Bet see you soon Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>